I'm, well, there's this sludge monster in my mind, and I can't remember where it's from. It's like a melted face on a sludge body. Welcome to Escape Chats, episode 22. I'm Alan, and I'm here with my friend Magellan, and we're going to be discussing three episodes of Farscape this week. In particular, we're talking Liars, Guns, and Money, parts 2 and 3, which are called Friends Like These and Plan B. And then we're also going to discuss the season 2 finale, Die Me Dichotomy. John, shall we pair up the first two episodes and discuss them as a whole? Because the first one was written by Naren Shankar, directed by Catherine Miller. And the second was written by Justin Monjo and directed by Tony Tills, airing January 12th and 19th, 2001, respectively. What'd you think? <laughs> well, first of all, yes, we can pair them. Why not? Uh, second of all... I, okay, do we want to peel back the curtain a little bit? Mm -hmm. How long has it been since our last recording? Months. Months. I would say uh, we haven't recorded since we first started putting episodes on Reddit. Is that true? (laughs) I think we've tried to record since then once, but we've never finished an episode since then. Maybe we finished like So it's been almost half a year? Mm Mm-hmm. Getting there. Wow. Yeah. Or at least like January to, yeah, it's May now. Yeah. (laughs) We're not even going to not. That's not going to happen again. Correct. Um, At least a gap, like, that gap won't reach the feed, is what I'm saying. But, all that to say that I've watched these episodes at least three times at this point, in anticipation of different recording sessions. So, my initial impressions of them have kind of been, like, sanded down a little bit. But, I think, hopefully, what we're going to be talking about is still truthful to what I first experienced when I watched them. That's what I'm gunning for. All that to say, with friends like these, it was fun, right? You get to see a lot of cool stuff. It's kind of a middle chapter that's not super necessary. I think what I'm finding is the three, three-part three episodes are bloated in the Farscape context, because I just listened to our episode on Look at the Princess, and that seemed to be our opinion on that. Um, and then Plan B, pretty cool. Diamond Dichotomy, pretty cool. That's that's the take. That's my hot take. Pretty cool. I am starting to think that they are still figuring out how to nail the way of doing a three-part episode. Because mm-hmm. I do think that this show has a deep enough character pool and like amount of stories to pull from that they can do three-parters and not have them drag. But with friends like these, I actually felt like it went kind of long. Yeah. And and I am someone who usually really likes that like heist. We're going to get the gang together and do something really cool. And they do. That totally happens. And it's got a lot of thematic meat to chew on, but it just spends so much of its time preparing. And then, like, the scene where they go out and do the thing, which is attack the the shadow depository, is, like, a minute. It's a couple minutes. Very, yeah. very brief. Yeah. Because it has to get more to the John uh, Scorpius stuff. And then, yeah, Di- me Dichotomy is kind of a masterpiece. Yeah. In the way that it sets things up. If we want to just start talking about with friends like these, um, I think... Reflecting on it, what I'm realizing is if you did that in a movie, uh, the two scenes that you'd keep from that episode are... Because they attack it in Plan B, right? Yes. Okay. The two scenes you'd keep from that episode are the part where it's towards the beginning and John's like, here's who we need. We need a, a guy who breathes fire. Did you write down all the alien names? I did absolutely write Beautiful. them. Beautiful. We need one of these guys, one of those ones, one of those and those. And then smash cut to the scene where they're all on the bridge of the ship. And they're like, 
What are we doing here? Ah, we were, blah, blah, blah. we were promised currency. Blah blah yeah. blah. And you don't need all the like scenes that make up the meat of this episode, where crew members are going out and recruiting. They're interesting scenes. They're cute scenes, and it's I respect the fact that Farscape is trying to build a motivation for each one of them, but ultimately it's tangential to the main plot. It's in service of doing this cool heist storyline. Yeah, so we get a lot of scenes that are well-built, but ultimately they're being built for something that they don't need to be built for. What is the motivation of this whole heist? Jothi has been purchased with the rest of his slave lot by Scorpius, because right at the beginning of part one, they're like, we have a bunch of money. We're going to buy the, we're going to buy Jothi. And then they go, nope, you have to buy the whole lot. It's 10,000 people. And they're like, that's way more money than we have. And then they find out like a minute later, this is the end of the cold open of part two, uh, Scorpius bought the whole lot and mm-hmm. has Jothi. And his plan is that like, you can only get Jothi back if you give me John. Also, their money is spiders. Also, their money is spiders <laughs> because... Uh, I guess Rigel like got the wrong one, but he got the wrong one because Stark told him the wrong information or something. No, I think they got the right one, but um, Natira or whatever. Her name yeah, Natira set it as a trap for Scorpius. Miss, I never remember her name. I wrote it five different ways in these notes. Nasira, Natira, Nardira. I think it's Natira. Okay, she. It was money that she was saving for Scorpius, but she was the one who put it as spiders. Spider money. Yeah, to like kill him or something. So there's a lot going on because of that, because you have um, you have them like getting all of the people together. You also have Rigel and Chiana doing this like weird greed morality play where they're like, we could just take some money and no one would like just take enough that no one would notice. And then they go in and there's no more money. And then I think the spider money thing, when I first saw it, I got really mad because I was worried that they were doing another there are bugs on the ship mm-hmm. episode. That was really frustrating to me. But it just ends up being in service of like we need Moya to be seriously damaged and to motivate the thing that happens later, which is that she needs to go get healed somewhere else, mm-hmm. and she, and also it connects Zahn back to her because we've been talking about how Zahn's plot has only picked up momentum once she got to meet the like the Jonathan Hardy like the builders yeah the builder guy and or the builders yeah so that's just like further at, uh, connecting her to Moya as a character and pilot obviously. Mm-hmm. And so they spend all the time. So the, the aliens that they get, they get Bakesh, who is the gauntlet alien. Yep. And I, I liked him a lot. He was my favorite for a while. Yeah, I think so too. Because he starts out, um, and a common thing that I noticed amongst the three different alien groups was like, these are the aliens from those episodes who chose to be separate from the rest of their people. Because Bakesh says, uh, I want to live a life of peace huh. instead of being a warmonger. And then there's this like really almost... Like, they're trying to say something about John Crichton and what the crew's motivations are because they're like, we need you to wear the gauntlet. We need you to do some fighting for us. And he's like, I don't fight anymore. So they're kind of like telling him, like, give up your your holy ways and like do our, our bidding. Right. Because when they initially enthroned for a loss, when those guys first showed up, um, the whole the whole Zahn's plot was like, you got to stop wearing the gauntlet because it's a drug. Right. Right. Like, that was the whole B plot of that episode. Um so, I, yeah, I think that's actually really smart of this Farscape episode to kind of show the, uh, what's it called, where you're where you're hypocritical? The hypocrisy. Of, yeah, that's sorry. the word. <laughs> the hypocrisy of the crew. Um, and Crace also has a great 
Is it in this episode mm-hmm. where he's like uh, chiding Aaron for? Resorting I think it's to in part violence. three, but I know what it's you're talking about. In part about. three, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, where he's like telling her that violence isn't an answer, and like you're only violence doing only it. works when it justifies your means. Yeah, basically, and it really it doesn't fully broach it or or answer this question, but this episode does somewhat raise the question of talks about that thing that always happens with with actiony sci-fi protagonists where they kind of blow up everything and we support it because they're the good guys and we don't really think about the consequences because who cares but they are going in and they're going to kill a lot of people and they're causing a lot of trouble and they're you know wrapping in these poor aliens just to serve their own selfish whims so that's something to think about and it also just in general the like recruiting this process reminds us that all of those episodes that we thought were dumb one-offs were servicing a greater deepening of the universe like all all these aliens are still around they're not just gone because next True. week we stopped visiting them um including the shang who's the other the second alien that's the yeah. one that aaron visits um they are the fire breathing like kind of asian stereotype looking characters because they have the weird eyes yeah a little thing. bit uh they were from uh pk tech girl mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken and one of them has like a weird baby and then the other one is like i don't really do good fire breathing anymore mm-hmm. uh but uh I can, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, it's the whole, it's a story about impotence. Yes, exactly. And so that is Aaron's goal, is, is to get that Chang person. That one goes pretty well. He doesn't, like, you necessarily say no. It's more of like a, um, can I actually help you? Whereas the Bakesh, is, mm-hmm. or Bakesh mm-hmm. who is a Tavlek, um, that's the name of the alien race, <laughs> is like, uh, I don't want to help you because you're trying to make me do something I don't want to do. Just kidding, I'm totally willing to switch back. And then he says, like, there's a line in, I think, part three where he says uh, it's easier to change your ways when you have money or something. Like, it's easier to to change your, like, ethos Mm. when you're rich. So I'll do this, get money, and then maybe consider changing back, (laughs) which is kind of cynical, but in, like, a funny way. Yeah, and then at the end, when he's walking out with his money, he, like, thanks them for helping him find violence again. Yeah, and he says, I'll give everyone, their families, their shares and stuff. Like, he's still, like, nice, but he's like, thank yeah, thank you for reminding me that violence is (laughs) the best thing ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then there's a line in... um, or I'll get to this later. We'll just the the third uh, alien race is the it's the ones with the really long hair, and there's like the wife and her husband. Oh, the dog people. <laughs> yes. Rorf and Rorg. Rorf and Rorg. Yeah, Rorge. Yeah, Rorge. They never sound like real names. I guess <laughs> they're not. But like, what is their ability again? Uh, they're trackers. Oh yeah, blood trackers. Yeah. Yeah. So what episode were they from? They were from the till the blood runs clear. Yeah, the one the goggle one. Oh, that's not Till the Blood Runs Cure. That's, um, I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah, it oh, it is? It is. Where they're on, like, the weird desert planet, and there's the lady that we yes. like. Yeah. With the funny name. Furlough. Good job. There's a point where we were like, yeah, we'll never remember I this name. remember it, no. So that's our three. And then we also have the bug plot, which basically, they take a bug, they get a sample of it, and Zon gets really, like, sassy with someone where they're like, you need to kill, and she's like, listen! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I really like the idea that Zon is becoming more and more like confident mm. she's like i know how to fix stuff you just gotta listen to me guys like holy crap and they try to burn one and they have to turn it up way too hot and she's like i can't do this for all of them because there's thousands of bugs i managed to airlock some of them but they didn't like all get out um we have to burn a significant part of moya yeah by using they like really get into the mechanics of it too they're like we're gonna turn the heat up and, and we're gonna put gas in the room and then uh, pilot's gonna do an electrical fire and he's like if, <laughs> if we divert the power and, and burn part of Moya, she will die. There's actually, I might put the clip like right here. 
Unless we destroy them soon, the internal damage may be irreparable. Moya may die. <laughs> or maybe not. Or maybe not. We'll see. That where he says that because it's a good. It's like exactly the impression that mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. So they do that, and Moya gets burned towards the end of the episode. Or rather, Pilot burns Moya, and then that's like really sad because at the same time, Zahn is like emotionally connecting, and she's like, I will take Moya's pain, but she's experiencing it ten times worse than I am, and I'm like in tears from it. So it's this really like, we're sub- it reminds us again that Moya is like a living being, and we need to care a lot about about her and stuff. And I don't know, that like felt like it was supposed to be sadder than it was. I was just like, well, hopefully you fix it. And I'm not saying it's not sad, but like, I don't know, Moya is just, the way that they react to her being hurt is is just strange to me. And I, I found it hard to like fully get into the, the pain that she's experiencing because I guess it just, it, it wasn't anyone's fault that there were bugs there. So it's like, who's to be blamed for this? They just did what they had to do. Yeah. I guess that kind of also means I'm a little bit cold <laughs> to be like, oh, so what? It was worth it to burn yourself alive, kind of. But um, she gets better after a while, thanks mm-hmm. to Talon, who comes in towards the end of two or three. Towards three. Three. Well, yeah, the Talon stuff is all is all in part three. So that's like most of the plot stuff in uh, in that in part two. A- Anthony Simcoe absolutely crushing it with all of this. This was the episode where he did a lot of um, like yelling at people that he likes. I think I pointed this like <laughs> observation out to you where Gianna's like, oh, we well, need to do this thing. And he's like, Gianna. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Stark. I you. Stark, I'm mad. Stark. Stark's the worst. He doesn't like Stark, though. I, I don't like Stark oh, that I'm Stark. I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm playing, playing fake crazy. Stark takes the role of John Crichton crazy and decides to do his own brand of crazy. Yeah, he is a special crazy. Um, crazy. One of the, Hey, one of the first lines of the episode is, is Gianna saying, I'm going to get some Venegan fire silk. It's for my bed. This <laughs> is a good line. I'm going to get some vending and fire silk. It's for my bed. Which also reminded me that I miss Terry, but like, uh, you know. What world building? Yeah, vending and fire silk. You're like, what does that mean? And why is this something you get for your bed? And right away, it's for my bed. Yeah. And then Rigel responds with something like, you never surprise me. Every time I think you're anything other than like a, like a sexual being, you just don't, you disappoint me. And it turns out that's all you are. And then she says, good. That's how I want it to be, basically. Like kind of like shoots it back at him. Did he was I thought he meant that in terms of oh in terms of like she just like wants um no I thought things. she was being nice about something and he's like oh, I wish you were greedy am I remember oh maybe that maybe because there is a lot of Rigel being a greedy or like a greedy boy in this yeah um is but... this the one where so the right Rigel and in uh, Jana no and uh, his friend is back. Oh, Adurka? Yeah, Adurka's back. That's mostly part three. That's mostly part three. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it ha- but it starts in this one because oh yeah, he's that's the other group of aliens is the Zenitan pirates. Yeah, with the worst. With, yeah, with the uh the flax. Yes. What the frell is the flicks? Which is everyone's <laughs> favorite line from this episode. <laughs> Rigel goes to them and they're like, "We're not going to give anything to you." And he's like, "Oh yeah, check this out." And he just like killed uh yeah, Durka. Beheaded Durka. Beheaded Durka. And then like carries his head around for the rest of the trilogy. <laughs> it's just like this is my toy. And it's like not a great uh synthetic, but I it gets the idea across. They're like, We're oh, yeah. done, Durka's done, no more. <laughs> Finally. Definitely dead. And so that's why they listen to him. And uh the Zenian pirates suck. I don't the main one especially is just like the worst. <laughs> He's fascinating to me though. I was mm-hmm. telling you. He's like this bald guy who has like tattoos on the left side of his face and he just lo- how did you describe it? <laughs> I liked your description also, which was um uh 
somebody's dad who like walked through makeup by accident and then got made up and then they like put him on stage and he's like oh okay yeah, here i go he doesn't look anything like a tough pirate guy or even an actor yeah. he, you said he looks like someone's dad who was an extra on empire strikes back and then he had twins yeah. <laughs> so just kind of going off what you said but yeah so good do you want to do the the background for this one and then move on to the next episode uh yeah i don't really have i'm trying to see if i had any other like brief notes i wanted to mention about this um i just don't want to I don't think we need to belabor this one. True. This one's not amazing. Because we got two solid epies we want to get through here. It's easier to reform when you're rich. That was the exact line from before. Mm. And that's it. That's all I had. So yeah, background information. Let's do it. Thank you again. Farscape Encyclopedia Project. Farscape Encyclopedia Project. Yeah, so my computer's freezing up a little bit. But that's okay. Here we go. The subtitle for this episode comes from the phrase with friends like these, who needs enemies? Great piece of trivia. Thank you. Dave L.C., returned to the original concept drawings of Shayang to create the character of Turok. Turak. Turok uh, the dinosaur hunter. It helped that Thomas Holsgrove was playing the role, as he had become a go-to person for Jim Henson's Creature Shop by this point. Oh, interesting. We'll look him up in a second when my computer's doing a better job. <laughs> David Wheeler did not learn of Durka's death until he found out they needed to make a cast for his character's decapitated head. <laughs> so he did his scene and then he was like all right that's all that my guy did but no he died oh although scorpius's nurse appeared to have been killed in the previous episode's explosion a throwaway line of dialogue here established that she survived right yes i remember that i knew that she died uh the title liars guns and money is likely a reference to the 1978 warren zevon song lawyers guns and money yep uh, we which, mentioned that in part one. Yeah, did we? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to my dad on the phone yesterday, and he, like, used that phrase casually. Really? He's like, oh, we'll go in there with our guns, money, and lawyers. And I was like, what the hell? That's maybe, something that people say? Maybe your dad's also just a Warren Zevon fan. That song's really good. Mm. I've never, I had never listened to Warren Zevon before that, and that song is, like, kind of a jam. Hey, this Thomas Holsgrove guy? Yeah? Let's just run down what he's been in. What he do? Yeah, what he do. He's an Australian actor who played various roles in Farscape, often appearing as an alien behind heavy makeup and or prosthetics. He graduated from the Australian National University and has also performed as a classical stage actor, burlesque clown, and a few Shakespeare roles as well. Wow. According to this, he was Tacken in Out of Their Minds. I don't know who that is. Uh, Sastoretsky Kargan in Look of the Princess. It's not a real name, but okay. That was some... I feel like I recognize that name. <laughs> Sastoretsky! Um, Maybe Cargan sounds familiar in this. Grathin in Won't Get Fooled Again, and then Turok, but he's going to go on to play quite a few more. Oh. So watch out for that guy. He's got a weird chin. <laughs> they have a consistent person for the big, like, weird creatures, though, so that's cool. Yeah. Oh, Sastoretsky Cargan was the Scarin in Little Oh, the, the Scarin, right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So there you go. Yeah, they did have kind of a similar vibe. Yeah. That's uh-huh. interesting. Is that the last of the background info? Yeah, that's it for that episode. Nothing much. So let's get into the next one. Look at the Princess Part 3, Plan B. Look at the... What? Oh my god! It's Liars, Guns, and Money Part 3, Plan B. It's because yes. we were just talking about that. That's fine. Yes. Um, a little bit more happens in Plan B. I thought it was a much, like a little bit of a tighter episode. Because at this point, the last one ends with John being like, I'm going to give myself up to Scorpius. Mm-hmm. And you're left with the question of like, is he going of his own will? Or is he still like being mind-controlled to go yeah. there? We just don't know at this point. Because he even sends them a letter that's like, I'm willing to throw myself away if it means that we get Jothy back. 
Which, as we learned, Jothi's no prize. <laughs> we'll talk about that. That fella. Um, one of the blood trackers gets super excited because this is the point. Right at the beginning of this one, like pre-theme song, that uh, Stark is like, I'm crazy. I'm weird and I'm going to kill everything. And they're like, are you? Are you like a good killer? And he's like, yeah, I murder people for fun. And they're like, cool, friends. <laughs> the, but the, everyone is weird <laughs> in this beginning. Yeah. And then just the, the end of the cold open is the same pirate that we were just talking about being like we got the flax we're turning it on we're taking over the ship because you guys can't pay us and he kind of like looks at everyone like does like a weird like back and forth and then credits <laughs> it's like a really awkward cut to credits mm. i uh yeah the other thing that's kind of frustrating or just makes the second episode seem flat is the fact that they that john like immediately trades himself in for jothy and the reaction to that from the crew is like, okay, um, so we're going to do the same plan. We're just going to save him now. But it's like, that was so easy to make that yeah, swap. Immediate and, swap. I don't know. And all it means is that now we don't have John because right. he set everything up, but he's no longer with us. So now we're saving the person who's going to set us yeah. up. It just, I think I shared the sentiment of a lot of those aliens who've been recruited, which is like, well, why the hell are we here? Like, this is, this is useless. Mm -hmm. We, you got the guy that you wanted. You can't just do this for free. I don't, yeah. So pay your laborers is the secret. Basically. Second message of this. Uh, and then the beginning of this episode also is when Chris comes on with Talon and they're like, Oh, what's up? You called us. And, and Aaron is like, we need you to help, help out your mom or help out Moya, Mm -hmm. um, by giving her like, I don't know, energy fluids. And then they're like, or Grace looks at her and basically says something like, why you're getting all these people just to like kill people, other ones. And why are you doing all this violence? And she's like, we need it to rescue John. And then he says, yeah, there's always a reason for violence when it suits you, which is real good. Um, Speaking of violence, Jothi circumcised himself. He cuts off one of his tentacles. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know what the purpose of that was. Um, Oh, he cuts off his nose thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think because he's ashamed of his. Right. Oh yeah. Dargo literally says that he's like, you're ashamed of me. And he's like, would you, would you not be like, I didn't, I never saw you. Yeah. A lot of decent amount of Jothy in this episode, which, um, we'll talk. We need to get to at some point, but like, I also just want to talk about the episode. Yeah. Talon gives mommy. Oh yeah. Tommy, Talon gives mommy nutrients. Then we get to the really, really cool. <laughs> Talon gives mommy nutrients, which no, is I like the the word "mommy" like so cut to your core when you read it. <laughs> yeah. Ma- mommy, <laughs> it's like it hit me in a place that I haven't been hidden in a while. <laughs> Scorpius goes into this is the best my favorite thing about this episode. Mm-hmm. Scorpius goes into Crichton's mind and meets uh, uh, Harvey in yeah. there, and they're at this place called Sawyer's Mill, which is an important place from Crichton's past. Good, like good setting, cool yeah. mm-hmm. idea, and they're both like. It's so terrifying that they're just like, I'm on both sides of you in the argument and I can fight you from both ends. And then John's like, you're in my head. I'm in control. And they're like, stab in the neck, <laughs> which they, like you're now passed out in your own brain, which doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. But it just really highlights like Scorpius is is like 90% in control right now. Yeah. He's taking so much over and John is like barely holding on, even though he's in a place that is like core to his fundamentalness as a earthling. And he's just not even himself anymore. And it's really sad. Uh, then we get the thing about the the well, the fire breather, the Shayang. Gets, mm. He says, the only way that I can breathe fire properly again and do your work for you is if you give me, I don't know what it's called, but it's a poison, basically. Right. <laughs> the lot, It's actually some good thematic cutting where 
he says, I'll only be able to do it if you give me this this fluid. And then Zahn goes, but that's poison. And then it cuts. <laughs> like, woo. <laughs> like, it doesn't even have to say, yeah, I know, or whatever. Get some good amount of Natira in this episode. She takes out yeah, the blood tracker's eye. She's pretty rad. She is. She is, like, closed. I'm doing a visual right now. Like, closed her, her head thing. Mm-hmm. And then when she gets really mad, it pops up. Or really ar- aroused. Yeah. It pops open. Is this the episode where her and Scorpius have, like, weird sex? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> the dumbest, like... I don't know if that's intentional. It's probably intentionally funny, right? When his his coolant thing. Yeah, she, he's like, oh, oh my god, oh my god, and then yeah, it like it should have gone like boy, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's they really yeah. wanted to go all the way, and then she's like, ah, oh, that means you enjoyed it, right? And then she replaces it. Like she has like a, a suite of them and just goes like, click. There you mm-hmm. go. I did like that scene though. It's a great scene. Yeah. What is with Natira and Scorpius? Like, what's their relationship? Because there's a lot of stuff about like he took me in when I or I took him in when he was younger or something. I think. They just know each other from their past. They've, like, had run-ins and romantic rendezvous and have also been rivals. Okay. That's my take on it. So they just have, like, a weird... Like, it just kind of reminds us that, like, Scorpius knows a lot of people. He's been around for a while. Yeah. I Yeah. I, maybe there's a sense of, like, Scorpius... I don't know the exact timeline of him joining the Peacekeepers. So I don't know if he had a time in his life, a significant amount of time before he was a Peacekeeper guy... But my sense is either, like, he knew her back in the day when he wasn't with the Peacekeepers, or he knew her when he was young in the Peacekeepers, and he, through her, did, like, shadier things. Okay. Yeah. So she's part of that part of his life. And also, she runs the Shadow Depository now, so she's, like, yeah. coming from money and all that stuff. I want to see more of her, is what I'm saying. I, didn't she die? She does do the, heel, the, the, the face turn towards the end, where she says... Maybe Scorpius isn't, like, out to help me. And then she, like, works with John. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when a bunch of people start dying. This episode's a lot of people dying. Yeah. Um, Didn't the... Natira die? I thought she died. Maybe. Maybe when she's, like, running away with John. Um, I guess I didn't write that one down in my summary. I didn't. I really didn't write a lot for this episode because it's a lot of, like, now the plan is happening and it succeeded, but everyone we almost everyone we got to help us is dead. The Sheyang gets fired to work. But then he's like, I didn't kill anyone with this. So he like light, he blows himself up, but I forget how he does it. He ignites himself yeah, in the shadow depository and kills a ton of people. A lot of good like peacekeeper shots in this episode where they're just mm-hmm. like shooting and they look really scary and cool. Um, the, the, the one that had a wife, the blood tracker um, gets like his eye taken out, which is really messed up and then also killed later, I believe. Yep. Um, which is just to remind us that, what's her name? N- yeah, Natira. Okay, cool. We got the name right. Um, and then, who's there another alien that gets killed? I think so. And then the pirates, like, leave or something. I don't know. And the gauntlet guy. Oh, yeah, and then the gauntlet guy just, like, gets, oh. he, like, jumps in front of a bullet and, and saves John. That's what okay. that is. Or, no, 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 not the gauntlet guy. One of the other people does. I think it's the eyeball guy. I'm getting a moment. Just, yeah. Everyone dies. The, aliens die. The dog guy. Yes. Uh, the wiki says that Natira ran away and her current location is unknown okay so she doesn't appear after this episode but she's not she's dead not dead gotcha. theoretically do you have anything else you wanted to like say about what happens in this episode before we get to Jaffe? not particularly i really liked uh the shaying guy's arc i think that was probably the only arc of these like side dudes that i found fully satisfying mm-hmm. um because he got to have this noble hero sacrifice and serve the cause and also fulfill his desire to be 
useful. The dog guy I never liked because he's kind of an apprehensible character. Um, and then the gauntlet guy we've talked about as that's kind of, uh, it's not about him so much as a commentary on like protagonist nature. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was useful, but it wasn't necessarily satisfying to see him be like, I'm violent again. Um, and the pirates just suck. Yeah. But it kind of in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. They're entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I don't know that there's anything else from this episode that was all that. Oh, the part where they're uh, where they're doing the heist and then the power cuts and then Aaron her goggles aren't working, yeah. so she's like going through blind. Incredible! That sequence that sequence was phenomenal. Yeah, it's very. It reminds me a lot of the final fight from the Matrix, the way that it's mm. like shot, where there's like all the columns and hallways, but it's just like lights flickering and there's like gun gunfire and there's like lights and smoke and then like. The light heard like night vision turns back on and just dead bodies all across the hallway. And you're like, whoa. (laughs) Really, the show does a lot with a little. Like, they didn't have to show a ton of firefights because they were just like, it's dark. (laughs) Yeah. It's the same thing that I commented on at the end of last season, which is that this show doesn't do action very often. So it doesn't really need to do bombastic stuff. Like, it does hit it pretty hard at the end of seasons but like yeah i don't know what i'm trying to say it it doesn't need to do a ton of action to make it feel like the show has plenty yeah like this is totally enough for a season this is enough this is their action set piece yeah and it was cool and that's all i needed and then so the episode ends and they have plenty of money now what do they do they just because they successfully attacked the shadow deposit all the money um and that means they have enough to pay the gauntlet guy and he gives enough money to all the families and they have enough, they have enough, like, to spare. So they have some money now. Um, and then the final scene is this, like, really... If you really care about Dargo and John's relationship, then it's a really tragic scene. Like, it relies on you liking both of them because it's the scene where Dargo is like, I've been talking about this kid, Jothi, for a while. Here he is. This is my son. He's now on the ship with us. Mm-hmm. And we have John. Everything's good, right? Yeah, but John's, like, crazy. John doesn't even say yeah. hi to Jothi. He doesn't even look at him. He says, Dargo, I want you to kill me. Please kill me. Like, mm. begs him. And then that's the end of the episode. And you're like... Because on the way out, he almost goes back to Scorpius, yeah, right? Yeah, And Aaron, like, knocks him unconscious. Yeah. To, yeah. Ooh, spooky. Further oh. reminding us that, uh, yeah, further reminding us that Aaron is kind of becoming the masculine role in those two, with those two characters. Yeah. It had, yeah. Uh, people have talked about that in the comments with us. Like, that's going to become more of a thing. Like, the way that they, like, flip who is the, the masculine type. Because she, like in uh, My Three Crichtons, she's the one that shoots first. That kind of thing, mm-hmm. where she's like ready to be like the tough one. Sure. Where he's like, I'm vulnerable and sad, and she's trying to help him. But that's the end of that. And then more of the Jothi stuff that we want to talk about is in. Do you think it's in? Would you say it's in more di- me dichotomy? He's in this episode. He's introduced. He has a terrible accent. He's gonna bug us in die me dichotomy, right? Um, but he's in yeah. This we can complain about him whenever. Right. That's true. And he's gonna be around for a while. So let's just. Why don't we just do it now? Yeah. Jothi sucks. Yeah. First of all, visually. It looks like a 2000s teen with like a Rastafarian like headband. Yeah, he kind of looks like uh, I'm. There's this sludge monster in my mind, and I can't remember where it's from. It's like a melted face on a sludge body. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Ariel monsters or something? No, is it from Farscape? A melted sludge monster. Oh, I, I don't. You're trying to go. I don't for. remember. I don't remember. It's like this, just like a sad face, melted face, monster face. Anyway. He looks like that thing threw up a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nailed it. That's that's Jothy. And the scar is like 
cool in theory, but it just like, I don't know. Not that, hmm, not that all of our main characters have to be pretty, right? But I think there's a way to render disfigurement more aesthetically. I don't. What? Are, hmm. What do you think the ethics of that are? Well, they do they ever talk about the scar? Is it a point of contention? His nose scar. Yeah, that's he cut off his nose. Oh, back. that's the yeah. Yeah. So that's his disfigurement. That is like the representation of like the detachment he had from his father and the hatred for his right. his culture. Um. So I don't think it has to be pretty because like it's not a thing he's proud of anymore. Right. Because now he likes his dad. But we also hate how he looks. Yeah. Right. Well, I more hate how he looks because he just looks like they're trying to incorporate adolescence into the what is Dargo's race called? Luxon. The, they're trying to incorporate like adolescent Luxon. Okay, looks, sure. Like a weird so it kind of looks like he has a weird puberty beard. Exactly. He does, yeah. yeah. He has like a little bit like a long, thin, gross beard. Yeah. The scar isn't my problem with him. It's more that like I hate his personality. I hate where he's going, I think. And uh, I just, I don't like the way he talks either. He's <laughs> very like I'm not. He sounds like an Australian doing an American accent. More so than everyone else mm-hmm. does. And he sounds like someone doing an, a Dargo impression. Like dad, father. <laughs> you're like, I know you're not him, but you sound too much like him, and it's creepy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say. We gotta catch some waves. <laughs> it kind of does have that. He kind of yeah. has like dad. Yeah, Bill, Gina. Ted, Jana's gonna live on a farm. Did <laughs> you build Ted? Yeah, I did. Good. Um, yeah, I just don't. I just don't like him. Mm-mm. I just don't like him. I don't know. It's really odd to us because we've watched we've watched Angel, and Angel has a very similar character, like weirdly similar. Yeah, uh, named Connor, and it's Angel's the main vampire. He's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Got his own show, right? Then in season three, he has like a baby, and then that baby goes to hell dimension, and then gets grown up really fast. And Hating comes his back dad as like a angsty seventeen year old yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then he like ruins that season. It's just baffling to me that these two shows both have the same device of like tough, cool dad who's a little emotionally distant has an annoying son. I guess that's, that makes sense on paper. Like when you write that character of Dargo, he's super tough. What could make him weak or vulnerable? Let's give him a son who doesn't like him. But it, something about it just doesn't work. Like when you build a character purely around the idea of he's a petulant teenager it's just not fun to watch it's part of the problem is it's just hard to write that age especially in a show where everyone else is much older Mm -hmm. like to have someone who isn't annoying enough like if he was 13 or something or like 12 you could be like oh he's obnoxious and annoying because he's a teen and everyone's shitty at that time Mm -hmm. but he's clearly old enough because i saw him as like 18 to early 20s that's like where i put him yeah so he's old enough to like be able to hold a conversation with everyone but he's not old enough to feel like an equal so for him to like what we're gonna get into is like for him to try and like make moves on shiana like feels so disgusting and wrong because you're like you're a kid yeah don't do that even though she's also a younger character but like it just it feels like he's reaching out of where i would have liked to see his character be and the real problem is that we've been setting up jothy for so long is like this is dargo's motivation right he's worked so hard and for his whole arc is like i want to be with my son again and he gets his son back and his son sucks yeah. I'm like, well, what did I work for? Yeah. For anybody out there who's ever played Knights of the Old Republic, the video game has a similar arc. Uh, Cartho Nassi, mm-hmm. his character arc, is you have to find his son, and then it turns out his son is like a shitty Sith guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's just a little shout out. 
I think that just real quickly, like that um, character comes from their like early two thousands attempt at like adolescence is cool, but also like my dad sucks. Like it's coming yeah. at it. it's like the response to the the nineties like sort of style of right. writing teens. But then there's there's also something deeply like classical about the turn that that character seems to always take of now I'm going to try and have sex with my dad's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I don't know. It like, again, it makes sense in the sense of we want to build a story that has dramatic tension and that puts every single character in a morally compromised position. But as an audience, it's hard to appreciate that because the character of Jothi is so he's just like this foreign agent like this weird i don't know i don't want to say disease but like just this uh okay you know how species like that you shouldn't move certain animals to other countries because they come in and they mess up they the mess ecosystem. ecosystem yeah yeah that's kind of what it feels like Jothi's doing mm-hmm. um so it's it's hard to recognize the the kind of dramatic merit of what is going on because it's all coming from Jothi who's like annoying I am curious to see where Jothi goes I'm not willing to write him off just yet but I'm not I'm not curious do you know stuff I think so but I could also like write write this without knowing like oh he's gonna keep going with Chiana Dargo's gonna find out Dargo's gonna get mad and then somebody's gonna have to leave yep and probably Jothi and maybe Dargo, and then Dargo's going to come back, and then everybody's going to be happy, and it's going to be fine. Or, Dargo's going to leave, and then while he's gone, guess who's going to die? Chiana's going to die. He's going to come back. He's going to be like, no, I should have said I was sorry. And then she's still going to be okay with being with Jothi, and it's going to be the worst. <laughs> I, again, cynics. <laughs> um, the Yeah, uh, the fan base likes it when we do predictions, but we'll do more of that um, in mm. the, the recap episode. Yeah. Before we get there, though, do you want to talk about the finale of season two? Yeah, first I want to read you the background information, oh, so and sorry. then I want to take a quick break. Yes, both of those things are things we should do. Okay, hey, check this out. Crichton makes numerous references to young Frankenstein in this episode. Really? I guess. <laughs> Haven't seen it. Claudia, me neither, I want to. Mm-hmm. Claudia Black received a blow to the face from John, John Adams. John Adams' gauntlet during the filming of the bank raid scene because it was so dark on the set. Second president John Adams actually was the he, he played was, B- Bakesh, yeah. Yeah. Great, great What a role. Makeup. What a role. What what great uh necromancy. Anthony Simcoe was thrilled to receive the big gun, which Black referred to as his quote, new toy. The gun was probably nicknamed, quote, Mr. Sparky. Oh my god, they love naming guns on the show. Crichton's pestle pistols named Winona, don't forget. I like that they put new toy in quotes yeah. as if that was some fantastic composition on Claudia Black's part. The concept of a new toy. <laughs> <laughs> Her on set, just like, you know what that is? That's your new toy. <laughs> and they just go, no, stop it. You're making fun of me. This is the first episode in which Crace and Pilot, both of whom are played by Lonnie Tupu, have an exchange of dialogue. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I did pick up on the fact that now when I listen to Pilot, I try to imagine uh, Lonnie Tupu doing it, but I didn't realize that they spoke to each other. That must be fun. Because oh, yeah. you know the way they do that, right? Is they have an actor voice Pilot, and then they ADR 
Lonnie Tufu's dialogue later. Like, he doesn't do it live, obviously. Yeah. So, because we were watching that behind-the-scenes thing several episodes ago, and you can hear the other actor doing pilot. It sounds terrible. It's just like some deep-voiced weird guy. Probably one of the puppeteers. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's just the puppeteer. Is that all the background info? That is. Shall we send it to the future and uh, crack open a big old Sakamoya bag? And um, <laughs> let's answer some questions, and then we'll be right back. Okay. Hello, Escape Chats listeners. It's time for the Moy Bag for episode 22 of Escape Chats. I got Magellan here this week. Yay! Yay. Magellan's here, and we're going to read your feedback. We got Twitter to start, as always. Lovely commenter. Who has a bunch of real brief little things that they had to say about Zahn. And part of the reason that Virginia Hay was not on the show a lot at this point was that she was sick. At one point, she mentioned that it might have been makeup being a problem, but it also could have just been a a kidney situation and a lot of pain. So that is unfortunate, but it kind of helps make sense of why they just kind of dropped the ball on Zon very late in the game. And they also sent a cute clip of (laughs) Ben Browder and Claudia Black at a convention where he tells her to quit prompting me, woman. And it's really funny. And I recommend people (laughs) look that up. Nice. And then she got a memo that says, uh, there's a bunch of stuff in here. I don't usually read all of these, but there's a lot about the John and Dargo pairing. And they liked our KFC discussion, which I love that we just had like a significant like two minute discussion where you called the double down just a quick snackum. It's a phrase that I've like integrated <laughs> into my uh, into my lexicon at this point. They also uh, didn't like what, a, what a nightmare choice of food. What did the, the KFC double down? Yeah, it just, it just gives you a grease sadness. <laughs> That's also what I get after I watched the movie Grease. And I'm like, oh, John Travolta, what are you doing? <laughs> Grease sadness. Oh, Grease sadness. Grease sadness. And then they said, Lawrence Guns of Money are the favorite episodes ever. Ending is weird, but Zahn and an eye passion is here getting kinky and badass long coats, which are their aesthetic. Uh, lots of cute <laughs> stuff in here. I don't really, I can't read all of this. And then the last thing on Twitter was from Angela Scrangela, who says, My name is Angela. Hey, hello. And they also say that they share your aversion to the eye stuff in A Clockwork Nabari and how that makes their skin crawl. Um, before ending with one more tweet, which was a quote from Natira. As a race, Luxons can be inartful at love, inadequate at war, and intrinsically inept. <laughs> Natira, the sexy spider head lady. I love these little tweets. They're not always the most fun to read like out loud, but I love getting them. And thank y'all for sending them. Magellan? Yeah. Uh, so moving on from tweets to the Reddit thread, which can be found every week at reddit.com slash r slash farscape. And then, you know, the name of the episode. You know, right, there's, a, there's, a, there's an episode thread for every episode of the show. Yeah, you know how Reddit works, I think, or you don't, and you're gonna find out thanks to us. We're here to help. We're we're here to really ease that process. Mm-hmm. Over on the Reddit thread, we got some comments. A big part of it was you posing a question that we've been kind of pondering, uh, which we don't have to really broach for another half a year, but it's something that we're kind of tooling around. Which is, uh, if we do another tv recap show after escape chats what show would people want it to be about we got some suggestions here so if you have suggestions or things that you'd be interested in you can keep sending those our way we might i would imagine we're probably going to try watching a couple different pilots and figuring out what feels right to us but that's again still a ways away that sounds like the way to do it yeah but farscape is just such a perfect show for this that i uh, yeah, I just want to see if there's a way for us to find another show that would hit that same mark. Yep. So that's that. We got a comment here from Blue Blaze Spear. 
I gotta say that's a great name. It really is. And there, there are yeah. frequent commenters also. They always send these great little paragraphs about the show. Yeah. Uh, Blue Blaze Spear talking about again how there are real world reasons why Zahn is being cut back. Um, but to really lay it out requires talk of spoilers. Um, so that is understandable. Yeah, that, that, that makes me sad. Um, I wish I could blame it on bad writing, but if it really is that, you know, she was sick or, or she was having personal problems, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, then there's a discussion responding to our, um, uh, best way to, I don't know the best way to put it, but we're, our comments on the inconsistency of Stark as a character and not quite understanding his motivation. Right. Uh, Blue Blaze Spear here saying that having seen Stark through the whole show and through Peacekeeper Wars his characterization never really gets sorted out and that, you know, they tried to make him more than just the crazy guy that you saw in the episode where John got a, got the thing to do the brain stuff. Ah, yeah, but it never really worked out. And then blue blaze Spears comment regarding picking another show is that the success of using Farscape is that it's a niche show that people really love that nobody's really talking about. And so that's probably where we should aim next, uh, which I think is a good comment. We got some other people talking again about Stark and how he doesn't really get sorted out. So that seems to be pretty common. Yes. And uh, I always love those comments. And we will continue to look at different shows we're going to do after after Farscape. We definitely want to do one. <laughs> you know, that's a given. But what it yeah. is is still very much up in the air. Um, thank you to TRK2 and Leo Chris for also contributing to that thread. We actually got emails this week, which is very, very Whoa, exciting. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Wackadoo. We Have got... we ever gotten emails before? We have, actually. We've gotten some brief emails from other people, and we also got the commentaries for a couple episodes from... So, But this week, we got some very long emails. Um, the first one being from Angela Scrangela, who's also the person on Twitter. And I'm just going to read this one because it's pretty short. Hi, boys. It's Angela. I wanted to talk to you about why John kissed Aaron in this episode, referring to Liars, Guns, and Money Part 1. But I knew I'd need more than the 140 characters Twitter allows, so you're getting an email. Aren't you lucky? Which, yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, you seem to brush this short exchange aside because the let's kiss so they won't look at us trope is used all the time in movies and TV, which I tend to agree with. Please consider the following perspective. When Aaron pulled John aside, they were alone in the corridor. She pushed him against the wall because Harvey, the Scorpius clone, was bugging the crap out of him and he couldn't focus. He kissed her because Aaron is a grounding force for John. When they kissed, John was able to calm down and focus, if only for a moment. She was handling things because he could not. He was erect and she kept him close enough and helped him through. I don't know about y'all, but I consider that real love and partnership. It's as real mm -hmm. as I've seen depicted on TV. Thank you for letting me share that. You guys are great, and I'm so glad I found your podcast. That was Angela. Thank you so much. I love that perspective on that kiss. Because yeah. a lot of people talk about how John and Aaron's relationship is kind of this like inversion of masculine and feminine roles, where a lot of times like Aaron is the one saving John. And even in that like silly tropey moment where they kiss to like get away from a guard that we goofed about, like it is still in someone's in this in Angela's opinion, like contributing to the idea that john needs someone to keep him sane and grounded when he has this mm -hmm. clone that's doing the opposite of that <laughs> and we got another email that i'll let you uh take over sure uh so we got a three-part email from listener dax static and static dax on twitter and it was just sort of his story of coming to farscape uh how he discovered it actually a kind of funny narrative of his first brush with the show being he was at a convention in Seattle and there was a panel and uh, I was like, oh, this seems cool. I wonder what this is. And then got Gigi Edgeley's autograph and thought Gigi Edgeley was really cute um, and was like, I should watch that show sometime. And then totally forgot about it a year later, 
got some DVDs, totally forgot that he had them, and then finally started watching. Um, and so Dax Static is now riding with us uh, in this week-to-week rewatch uh, on the road to the Peacekeeper Wars, which he's seen the show, but he's never seen the Peacekeeper Wars, so that's going to be a really exciting Ooh, development. Especially, especially for what we have planned for Peacekeeper Wars. Ooh, preemptive hype. <laughs> What do we have planned? Oh, we can't tell them. We have a thing planned for how we're going to cover oh, Peacekeeper Wars. Let's, let's tell me later. Yes. <laughs> you, you're the one who suggested it. Let's see. Oh, oh yeah. Anyway. Funny. Anyway. Yeah. So just a very sweet email from Dax. Uh, I'm really, really appreciative of it. Talking about what Farscape means to him, how he came to the show, how he came to Scape Chats. Um, so if any of you out there also have the like personal story of how you discovered Farscape and why you started watching it and you just want to talk to somebody about that. We love reading that stuff. Yeah. We think it's awesome. And that's honestly why we started doing this show is just to be able to talk to people about a show that's amazing that, uh, you know, nobody was really necessarily talking about. Um, and then also Dax, thank you for in part three of your email, realizing that you'd misspelled our names in part one, uh, and taking the time to, to make that correction. That was, <laughs> that was, <laughs> Very endearing. I like solid, that. Solid trio of emails. Thank you so much, Dax. Yeah. Um, you can always send us emails to scapechats at gmail.com, and we love them so much. And if you want to really just like let out your, your private thoughts on the show, we can read, we'll read those there. Um, and if you don't want us to read them on the show, we don't have to. But these were just some really lovely ones that we felt was it was good to share with everyone else. Real briefly, before we, yeah. we end it here, I'd like to bring up a couple things. We well, Okay, so what do we have, John? We have like the, the guest thing. And then we also, wasn't yeah. there another thing that we wanted to ask them about? I oh, think we it already was asked the them. next show thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, obviously, you know, email us or send us anything if you have good ideas for another show for us to watch that you'd be interested in. And then just another brief thing. If you have, like, a decent microphone or even if you just have, like, a phone or whatever and you'd like to be on an episode of Escape Chats, if you want to talk about a particular episode with us, or here's an idea I just came up with. Um, yeah. As we start approaching the end, if you ever feel like just sending us a, a little audio recording of like your experience with Scape Chats and or Farscape, um, when we get to the end of the show, we can round all of those up and put that into like a little thing at the end. Because yeah. you and also feel are, like, feel free to send in your commentary on an episode in, in an audio file if you want. If you like yeah. have thoughts on an episode that are under two or three minutes and you want to record yourself, then go for it and we can stick it in to an episode. Yep. Uh, um, but yeah, also if you want to be a guest host, if that's something that is appealing, then we would love to hear a sample of like what your mic sounds like and get a sense for how free you are. Um, cause we want to start bringing on other people to kind of enrich and enliven our discussions. Right. Just further closing the gap between us and the crew members, like the captain's door is open. So you're free to open it up and just hop right next to us scuppies. and fly the ship with us. They're called scuppies. The- I told them I don't like calling them scuppies. That crew members is yeah. way more like cohesive to me and doesn't sound gross. Scuppies Nobody sounds like a gross illness. Or Nobody something. suggested an alternative. So then I am taking precedence and I'm saying uh, crew members sticks nah. for now. <laughs> but nah. you can call them scuppies in like your corner of the internet. That's fine. Nah. Um, so yeah, uh, you can send clips of that of yourself to us at scapechats.gmail.com or whatever or email us. And uh, we got Twitter at scapechats. Um, we have Tumblr at this point which is scapechats.tumblr.com where we have an anonymous ask box where we can take questions um you're allowed to send those anonymously if you don't want to have your name read i think that's all the ways that you can get at the show we do plugs at the end of the episode so we don't need to do those now is there anything else Magellan, that you want to bring up before we soar back into uh, episode 22 
No, I'm all set. Wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Moy Bag and enjoy this discussion of Daimi Dichotomy. And we're back. We're talking the season two finale of Farscape, which is Daimi Dichotomy. It was written by David Kemper, directed by Roan Woods, and it aired January 26th, 2001. I love that we're in 2001, by the way, now. That's like kind of cool. What did you think of the season two finale? Oh, wait, first of all, we always call it the 21st century, but we never call it the third millennium. <laughs> What's the deal with the No, because it's the second millennium. No. Oh, is it, does it work the same way as centuries where you add one? Yeah. I guess because we don't talk about millenniums a lot because everyone's lives were in the second. No, they weren't. We were born in the second, second millennium and now it's the third, third millennium. millennium. <gasps> we're trans millennial. We just made millennial <laughs> salad and now it's, we're going to eat it while we record the episode. Anyway, go out there, folks. Call it the third millennium. That's where we're changing the podcast name to, also. That's yeah. a good, like, sci fi, the third sci fi, as in, like, money. <laughs> money. We're making the money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the 21st century. We got some great Farscape episodes in here. Like Diamond Economy. Like Diamond Economy. Which is. Better? What do you think? Okay, first question. Better or worse than the season one finale? Oh, better. By a long shot? Oh, by a long shot. Why? Um, because it's fucking spooky. It's spooky as fuck. Oh, man. <sighs> um, the season one finale is really great as a proto-series finale. Mm-hmm. I think it had more of a sensibility of, in case this is the last one, we want to make sure that every character has a closed-off arc. So, it, in a sense, feels complete, and then they tack on the cliffhanger part that kind of cheapens the rest of it, and it's like, but stay tuned for next time. But this, they just go full bore, ooh, we're gonna destroy everything, cliffhanger, it's so hard. And for some reason to me, that feels like a better season finale. It's still kind of an annoying, of like, ooh, what's gonna happen? But I think it was more unified in its intent it um yeah it definitely acknowledges like this can't we can't end it here because we're actually just not closing out any arcs yeah and everyone's left in a place that's really interesting and exciting and like dynamic like this could go this is the most i made a huge effort to not read up on this show or like spoil anything for myself especially if season three you've like been reminding me of that and the fans Mm -hmm. have been reminding me of that and like i have no idea what the results of all of this are yeah what i love about this episode is that they they do what I wish shows did more often, or maybe shows do it a lot, but not as well. But this idea of it's as if they're holding up all the scripts from the entire season, and then they just with two hands go rip and yeah. destroy everything, and then burn throw, it all down, throw it all behind them. They're like, "What now? What now? What? How do we pick that up again? <laughs> what do we even do? We'll come back in a couple months. We'll figure it out." Yeah. And with the break that we have right now, like, I know I rewatched these last night, but with the break since the last time we recorded, for example, we're approaching the amount of time between the ends of season two and the beginning of season three. Yeah. So I'm, like, feeling that palpable anticipation of, like, I need it now. I really want to see what happens. So basically the main thrust of this episode is that John Crichton is is being possessed more and more by Scorpius to the point where he's no longer himself we have the scene at the beginning where it's like another beautiful aaron trying to calm john down because he is like smashing a mirror over and over again because he keeps seeing scorpius's face in it really good stuff 
And then she comes in and says, like, you know, you need to talk to me. You need to let me in a little bit. And he's like, I'm fine. Everything's good. Like, she says, look at the mirror. What's in there? It's you. It's you, John. He's like, yeah, it is me. But, like, the visual is still just, like, very clearly Scorpius. And you're like, that's... It's getting to the point where it's, you don't even see John struggling anymore. Like, John is just, like, gone. And it's just mm-hmm. Scorpius playing John at this point. Yeah. Like, puppeteering him in a way that a lot of this episode is Scorpius using John's relationship with other people to manipulate them and to hurt them. Yeah. In, like, long-lasting, permanent ways. Which, again, talking about, like, with all of the aliens from Liars, Guns, and Money, reminds us that this show has been building and building and building all this stuff. Even with Zahn and with Aaron and all that stuff, that's all, it's all here and on the page. Yeah, I wrote here, there's a very, I think there's actually a pretty interesting read of the Scorpius and John stuff being a sort of allegory for mental illness. Hmm. And just this idea that, like, this thing that's screaming inside of me is yelling at you and it's not me. I can't tell you that it's not me, but I am no longer in control of myself. Interesting. Like, whether or not that's bipolar disorder or something else, just it's not in your control anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, really profoundly scary is that your mind is not your own mind. So the other thing that happens is we have, we're going to the diagnosing in this episode. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What a, what a fun guy. Yeah. The the diagnosis is... That's, yep, that's the diagnosis. And it's friend Grunchilk, which I had to keep looking up because they say it like once. Grunchilk is fantastic. I really like his mm-hmm. character. I have a good picture of him in here, actually. I might use as the episode thumbnail. Yeah, he's just fresh from the wing stop. Yes, exactly. He just <laughs> looks just... like... The he's shell is dripping in oil. <laughs> I did a picture. I drew a picture of the diagnosis also, which oh, I... Oh, that's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. It's basically... I'll, I'll also post this somewhere. Um, it's like a... It's kind of like hunched over. Yep. That's what it sounds like. And it... <laughs> it's got a weird face. And the most important thing about it is that it has a mask that covers its like nasal cavity and mouth. Can you... <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> uh, the diagnosis has this thing to cover it. It's like ways that it would inhale uh, pathogens because it has such a sensitive immune system that like any slight pathogen even as Gwenchuk mentions like the the chemicals in Chiana's hair would kill it instantly if it went into its nose and mouth at the same time yes yes which is the most Chekhov's gun thing in the world yeah they're like oh just like he has a mask make sure you don't take it off because then he'll die here hold on let me show you how it works this comes off and then you breathe in and then it's dead and you're like I wonder I wonder if he's gonna die that way (laughs) that seems weird that's out of out of order yeah and then the other like cool thing about this episode is that the way that they convey that like Scorpius is taking over is that we get the introduction of the the what did you what would you call the fusion I called it Crichton Scorp Hmm. (laughs) which is like it's John it's uh Ben Browder in Scorpius makeup yeah there's an interesting piece of trivia about that in the background info actually I call it Jorp Jorp. Jorp it is. I think Jorp is perfect. <laughs> Jorp is the, yeah. There's going to be a lot of cutting in this episode. A whole lot of cutting. Uh, yeah, so this, yeah, most of the stuff that happens in this episode is just John being taken over by Scorpius and then hurting yeah. his friends. So, like, Aaron's talking to him, and then he's like, oh, I really trust you, and they like, go in for their physical intimacy. Oh, God, that scene is so heartbreaking. I know! He goes in for the intimacy, and she's well, like... Yeah, she says... I love you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he says, I like, I love you too. And like goes in for the kiss and like, does he actually kiss her? He like headbutts her. No. Well, he like, like is about to kiss her and then he like knocks her head into the back of a wall and knocks her out. Yeah. Like brutal. And you're like, this, that's all they had together was their like physical connection. Oh, and you're just God. like taking that. It reminds, it's so, uh, Scorpius, the actor, uh, Wayne Pigram is not 
in this episode in that part at least like that's still ben browder mm-hmm. but you just like the the entity of scorpius is in that scene very yeah, ben, strongly ben browder destroyed it he yeah. wrecked it he crushed it so hard mm-hmm. i think in the past i've had some questions of like oh ben browder oh is he good john crichton as a character is amazing yeah yeah it's just constantly fantastic, evolving fantastic fantastic performance so haunting jorp and the costuming and the makeup also whoa yeah yeah very you, spooky blinking you miss it like they look so similar it's freaky mm-hmm. even though you have different like basic facial facial structures you can just like see it there john also manipulates dargo and jothi in one of my favorite brief scenes of the episode <laughs> the double tongue as i call it yeah because he talks to jothi and like threatens him and he's like i'm gonna kill you and then jothi's like no you're not tongue and we're reminded that luxons have like a super long paralyzing tongue mm-hmm. hits him and then Crichton catches it he says nah i gotcha followed immediately by dargo being like yeah uh-huh and then father and son work together and knock him out and they get him i just want to by the way give the full dialogue exchange of the aaron john oh yeah yeah please do so first jorp is that what i said jorp jorp yep jorp says i would be lost without you and then in that line he's turning back into john aaron says then you will never be lost. No matter what happens, you've worked your way into my heart. And then Aaron says, and you've shown me that I have one. John says, I love you. Aaron says, I love you too. And then knocks her out. And Jorp says, you are so my girl. And like licks her. Oh, yep. And he licks her. Yep. He does lick her. Oh. I... Especially because Claudia Black, Claudia Black is the best actor on the show, on the show yeah. um, by a long shot. Her part in that scene too is heartbreaking. To just like lose the constant attempts to help Crichton, yeah, and it's like still him physically to her, and it hurts a lot. At this point, the the way that the diagnosis also plans to help Moya, which really just like there are no more consequences for the Moya getting burned thing because the next episode they're like, we got it, we fixed it, we can fix it. Mm-hmm. But we have to, that means we have to spend the whole episode getting Moya and Pilot high as fuck. Right. And you get that great line from Pilot when he's talking to like Rigel or something where he they're like, uh, oh, Pilot, you're so high. And he's like, I am no higher than I have ever been. My position is fixed. Because, <laughs> yeah, Pilot has zero yeah. chill. <laughs> like, um, this is the picture of Grunchilk that I have. Again, I think this will just be the episode picture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a good picture. Hey, folks. He's very cute. And we get the introduction of the Diagnosin planet, which is really cool, by the way. I don't know what the planet's called, but it's an ice planet. And their whole thing there is that they store bodies yeah. to use for experiments. Or, or to use to give people organ transplants. Right, right. Yeah. So, okay, I was going to ask you, like, what is the ethic, what's the reason for that? But it pre- presents this cool, beneath the level of the plot, ethical quandary to consider, which is, like... Everybody that they have there, they say, like, oh, it's fine because they're dead. And then uh, someone's like, definitely not dead. And then Grunch looks like, it's fine. They were seconds away from dying. We just kept them like that because they were about to die anyways. And they're way more useful when they're alive. Like, we can't use their body parts when they're dead. But it's like, you're still freezing live people and then putting their body parts in other people. So, like, is that okay morally or not? Because you can see the Grunch argument of, like, they were going to die anyways. Maybe they weren't, because if you could freeze them, then you probably could have kept them alive. <laughs> right, but, like, as soon as they're unfrozen, they're, whatever was they're killing just gonna them die. is probably going to kill them. So you think it's okay? Like, it's completely okay to freeze live bodies and take their uh, organs out? Uh, but you, like, see why it's a question, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I see. I do understand, but I understand both sides of the argument. Right. Um, 
uh, I think I've I think I'm falling on the the Grunchel side here. Yeah, on the 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 side of the diagnosis here. <laughs> but it's better when it speaks English later, which is nice. Oh. Remember this? Uh, oh yeah. uh, important? <laughs> no, I'll get rid of uh, all knowledge. It's the saddest scene in the episode, and we're making fun of it. Uh, yeah, Amer- American presidents. <laughs> Remember? No, I'll get rid of it. What about this one? That's my dogs. Remember? Get rid of it, but like, if you can try to keep it. Like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to uh, it. We'll talk to him. But yeah, I don't know. I think... I've had to think a lot about the ethics of medical stuff like this for a while because of the nature of my, like, schooling, so... If we're accepting the premise that, first of all, you can tell when somebody is seconds away from death and they're not savable, and second, that freezing them... I guess I'd want to know what condition their consciousness is in when they're frozen. Right, because Grunchuk, when he puts himself in one of the freezing pots, is alive, but he's not, like, freezing himself. He's just sitting he's in just it. He's just sitting in it. So, like, when the rest of them are being frozen, they... It's probably, I think it's like cryogenic stasis. I think that's the idea. Yeah, but are you, is it like a coma? Right. I I think that's the clearest um, parallel to real life is like the do not resuscitate orders of people that are in comas. Mm-hmm. Like whether or not it's, they're still alive and you can still use their stuff if it means saving someone else's life or keeping a basically dead person alive in a coma. That's like what they're saying here. Right. Is if they're not savable, then let's get, let's use their parts to save someone else. But also there's got to be a space way to preserve organs in a like a lively manner without without having them be in a body yeah yeah i don't know maybe there isn't but if there was that i think that'd be preferable yes what was i gonna i was just about to say something about that whole situation oh i what i thought was rad was just the way of checking for a brain transplant for john where it's like, yeah, we got something that's like kind of similar. Could probably work. Internal organs, uh, like bipedal, yeah, yeah blooded, re- sexually reproducing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that, like classifying what humans are because mm-hmm. like in this sci-fi world, they're not in the standard. So yeah, it's oh, like what humans, guys... humans aren't special. They're just like their own weird. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that a lot. I don't know. I just wanted to pose that question into the audience as yeah. well. Like, what do y'all think about I think that? That's a great question. But the uh, the next scene of what is Jork? What is it? Uh, Jorp. Jorp. Where does that come? What is that? What is that a mixture? John Scorp. Oh, Jorp. Okay. Jorp manipulates Zahn up next. In a scene Zahn that also next. wrecked me up. Yeah, wrecked you up real good. <laughs> wrecked me up. Thank you. I don't get me started on my weird language. Uh, that truck got wrecked up. <laughs> he got real wrecked up. Wrecked up. I hardly know up. Yeah. But it's a good let's just let's keep running on this for twenty minutes. Yeah, and we don't need the episode to end. <laughs> <Ever>. <laughs> 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 it's not important or anything. Zahn, that, as a person of faith, like, that really, like, cut mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Where he's just, like, using her belief in the Delvian's seek and all of that stuff. And just being like, hey, remember how you and I have a connection? Like, we yeah. literally did this thing together. What he says is, I might die or something because of this whole Scorpius thing. So, if I can mind meld with you, like, Delvian mind meld or whatever it's called. I don't think that's the actual, that's a Star Trek thing. That's not the name. Yeah. That I thing. I don't remember what it's called. Then I can give you all the information that I want you if you ever go to Earth to tell my family. She's like, oh, that's so important that you trusted yeah. that with me. Yeah. And he's like, cool, let's, so let's, let's meld, right? <laughs> yeah, man. And she's like, good, good, good. Oh, your brain is messed up, my dude. And not only that, but you're, like, breaking my brain. He, like, shatters her whole spirit right yeah. there. And then he ends it with another, like really good jorp line which is it's time to pray yeah which um just again yeah reminding us like the rhapsody in blue happened that was Mm -hmm. although it was a weird episode 
really sad. Was there any more of that stuff? Oh, and then we just, the last major, like, character beat that I have here is the whole Jothi and Chiana. That happens in this episode. Ugh. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. The thing that I'm realizing that's fulfilling about this episode with respect to the season one finale. Mm-hmm. So season one finale shows you that the characters love each other by having them talk to each other and be like, I love you, man. You're great. Season two finale shows you that the characters love each other by having a villain manipulate capitalize that love. and destroy that love at every single turn. Yeah. Yeah. Real brutal. Um, it further continued when, what is the next thing that the big thing that happens? Is this the scene? Because what I realized, like, the hardest scene in this episode, or the second hardest, is not the end. It's, like, the last 20. It's before, like, there's 20 minutes left, mm-hmm. which is the, they go on the ice planet. And John like, takes the ship and leaves, and then Aaron follows him in the Prowler. Or yeah. is it the other way around? Uh, Aaron follows him, yeah. Yeah. And then, at this point, Jorp is 100% Scorpius. And, uh... Jorpius. Yep, Jorp. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> if that's what you're into. This is a lot. I feel like we're going really fast through this one. Yeah, there's a lot. This Joth, but the thing is, like, there's a lot of plots that are like jumping back and forth. Like, we got Diagnose and stuff. Then we have Jothi and Chiana, uh, and we have Dargo being mad at both of them. And yeah, then we have we'll talk Aaron about that and John. In a second. Yeah, but we get to the scene that I really want to talk about, which is the scene where Aaron uh, crashes. Oh, oh no! No, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the voice. She flies after John and he says, oh, you know, you, I want to remember the line because it's such a powerful scene. You're like way better at maneuvering than I am. Like he uses her, again, like using the person's like personality against them, uses her confidence as a pilot, as like a prowler pilot against her. So it's like, you're clearly a better pilot than I am. So let's just like go land somewhere and give up. I'll give myself up basically. That's what he says? I think so. Hmm. But he's tricking her because he says, all right, I'm going to pull my landing gear out. And she says, cool, I'll meet you up there. Let's take a second. I don't remember that part. It's just the dialogue while the two of them are flying, and then he basically uses it to lock, drop his landing gear on top of her ship. Oh. Fucks up her ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, also conveniently fucks up her, like, emergency eject, because tension. And then she, her ship crashes, she ejects. Well, she's about to eject, and then there's that really sad thing where, like, now John is back. It's only John, and he goes, please don't eject. Like, you will not survive if you eject because you're going to land in ice cold water. Yeah. And she just has that, like, I have no other option. You're very calculating, like, very peacekeeper. This is the only thing I can do. I'm sorry. I hope you meant what you said in the neural cluster. Uh, really great sentiment. Great sentiment kind of ruined by the phrase neural, neural cluster. cluster. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very true. Um, what, what is, what happened in the neural cluster? I don't remember this. Uh, that was where they were when they were saying their love stuff. Oh, that whole thing? Yeah. Yeah, so that is her. She's like, I love you. I love, he's like, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. Oh, and then feel like I have a heart and all that stuff. She says that and then ejects. And he says, yeah, yeah I did it. Scorpius Crichton is happy. Or the Scorpius sure. part is happy. Sure. Yeah, the, yeah. And uh, Aaron goes into some cold water and doesn't make it out. Curse splash. Curse splash. Well, she makes it. They, they take her out. Aaron! Yeah. And it's really sad. And then they cut right to her funeral. Yeah, and he cuts the hair right off her head. Well, we'll talk about that right now, which is right now. <laughs> yeah, cut to funeral. Everyone gives up a thing. They're all on the planet. It's really sad. Dargo gives her like a Qualta blade or something. Mm, yeah, something. Um, Shanna gives her something. Pilot. They're all in like cool funeral outfits, which it's like, this is not an appropriate time for me to be talking about outfits, but like I notice it sometimes <laughs> when they get new outfits and they all give her something. And then John kisses her while she's 
dead and in like a, a coffin or whatever and then from behind like while he's still handcuffed because they know like scorpius is still in you so you can stay around but like mm-hmm. no 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 cuts her hair from behind someone made a really good point that that's really impressive that claudia black acted dead while he cut her he like kissed her mm-hmm. like doing dead kissing is like a really weird acting technique huh but yeah so i think that hair is going to come back in a significant way i don't yeah right everyone everyone tells me that's just a memento but i'm like please what in my mind the perfect way for this to go and again we'll do predictions next episode but like john uses that hair to clone claudia black and makes a new aaron clone aaron's son makes a new one and then the question becomes is this still the same person even though it's a clone like ooh, cloning storyline but realistically they're gonna like resurrect aaron and it's gonna be less cool don't tell me anything that's my prediction shush you're looking at me. John's looking at me. He's making sassy faces. I'm trying not to. I know. But that's my prediction. That's what I'm keeping. <sighs> and then there's still... You're like, that's got to be it, right? Everything's sad. Scorpius has manipulated the whole crew and broken them all down. Maybe yeah. I have my dichotomy has been dimed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another little moment of love here. Oh, yeah. In the quotes. Dargo is on the comms with Aaron when she's chasing down Jorp. Yep. And he says, Aaron. Crichton has often said... He'd rather die than fall to Scorpius. If you get the opportunity, don't hesitate. Yep. Aaron says, uh, what makes you think I would? Dargo says, because if our positions were reversed, I would. Yeah. Mm. Real rough. <laughs> if I were the one who was romantically involved with Crichton, in a not subtle <laughs> way, but instead of how it is now, which is a subtle way. Funeral time. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, so Rigel also gives up a medallion, which is just a nice, like, I'm giving up my wealth in a way, kind of yeah. like symbolically. Mm-hmm. And then we get the, the surgery scene. Yeah. Which I really want to oh, get into. Heartbreaking. Uh-huh. It, again, is like a single scene in this episode that, similar to, like, the Diagnosing Planet, asks us a lot of questions about medical stuff and, and healthcare. Yeah. Because, like, if you were told, like, there's something in your brain that we need to take out, but the Diagnosing can only take it out by removing and shifting around other memories in your head, represented by, like, these black neural webs on Crane's... Because Crane's, like, on an operating table, brain open, exposed, and the Diagnosing is being, like, mm-hmm. again, like, you know, in English. Remember? Yeah. And uh, he goes through all the different memories of his life. And one of the, the first one is like creatures. So it's just like every dumb creature from the whole show. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, like no. no, that's stupid. I don't need any of those. I'm going to see all of them again. And then uh, he gets pre- American presidents and he's like, that's useless at this point. And then he gets his dogs, which is the one that kind of hurt me because he's like, yeah, get rid of it if you have to, but try to keep it. Mm hmm. And then he gets like that's a lot of dogs. He had a lot. He had of a dogs. lot of dogs. I'm like, what? You're are you not a good like dog owner if you're losing that many dogs? I guess if you're like dogs have short lifespans. Like if you just have well, had a dog since you were a kid at once. Also, oh true, true, true. Because he was probably like a farm boy, so maybe like just had dogs farm around. Farm boy. Farm boy. It just it asks the question of like if you had to pick like what memories, what key memories of your life would you just be willing to like toss out if it yeah. meant you could live? Toss salad. Would you have any particular like big things that you'd be like? So would you be willing to give up like? Like elementary school, just toss that right out. Yeah, I think like what it came down to for John is he wanted to remember people, right? Yeah, I think that's what it what it is. The most precious memories are like, who is this person and why do I care about them? I could lose, uh, you know, like oh, when I was in second grade, I my locker combination was this or yeah, I don't need that. It's like I had a heavy backpack. Or, yeah, I don't know. Or like one time I I went to the Denver airport. No, but it but in this case, like the stuff that they're taking out isn't minor like that. It's like entire huge sections of your life, like years of your life that you'd be willing to lose. 
Like, would you be willing to lose high school? Yeah, I think so. If I kept memories of, like, people from, like, select right, memories right. of people from later or earlier. I don't know. Like, from right before, right after. And you're like, yeah. oh, we existed between then, but I don't know what the context was. Yeah. Or what I did. Yeah, I guess. It's... School stuff, that specifically is hard for me because I feel like all of that is contributing to, like, you developing as a person. So then mm-hmm. the question is, like, does John lose the development as a human that he had from, like, knowing about yeah, these things? Yeah, right. Like, where is... I mean, that's that's the question of... When you get amnesia, like, who do you default to? Right, you know? right. There's a lot of movies that deal with that. Like, if I... <laughs> was that dumb, like, Nicholas Sparks adaptation where uh, the guy, like, had amnesia and then his wife had to remind him why they fell in love? Like... Barf City. Fifty first dates? No. Yeah, that's that's a similar plot though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the, the Vow. That's the one. Oh fuck, the Vow is so bad. Saw the movie theaters. Yeah, I wonder. Like, if I lost all of my memories right now, who, who would you be like? That person's I... important to me. No, but who would I be? Oh right, that you too. Know? That's a good question. And that's also what the the thing is asking. Yeah. But they kind of use it as like you're only losing minor stuff and then they say you are gonna lose speech right and he's like that's crazy like i can't remember the important people to me but i am and i'm also not gonna be able to speak to anyone or no he has a line oh yeah he says what about all of this stuff and then they're like or the diagnosis says to him you can lose it we're gonna try and put it back once we take the thing out we just yeah. need to move it basically and then he says there's no one i really want to talk to nothing worth remembering then why live right Right, exactly. And the person, the diagnosis takes it out and he starts babbling for a bit and it's kind of like, oh, how weird, like blah, 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 blah. But it reminds you that like, it's. I was going to text you this last night. It's really impressive to me that this show is still about communication two seasons later. Yeah. And like, it's not only a subtle theme, but it's like the ma- the main theme. Mm-hmm. His losing, the main character losing their ability to talk is like, that's the whole show. It's hellish. It's like... Yeah, it's like a pro- this like is a, the worst of the worst, a profound nightmare. Like their ability to do the one thing that this show says, which is if we can communicate, that we can cure all problems of the world, mm-hmm. all social ills. And so for him to lose that is like really heartbreaking. And then you're like, this should be fine, right? Though, like he's gonna get it back. The diagnosing is a professional. And then, boop. yeah, but the way they build to that is really impressive because uh, it's first it's Grunchilk running around. A button. Yeah, I gotcha. They, I, yeah, <laughs> Grunchilk is like running around in circles. And then peacekeepers see him, and then they turn a corner and they like chase him, and then he puts himself in a cryostasis and like covers his eyes or something. Like they won't see him if he covers yeah. his eyes. Like <laughs> don't see me. And they take him out, and I think they do they no they don't kill him. No, he's alive. They um, leave him. Did yeah. They leave him there? Oh, they do actually just or not they catch him. Take him captive. I don't something remember. like that. But he's definitely alive because mm-hmm. I know he comes back. Um, maybe not on the show, but like in the comics or something. And then the peacekeepers fight. Tell Scorpius, John's here. Scorpius comes down, and we finally see actual real. This is Scorpius. And he says, hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, uh, Diagnosin, how you doing? Diagnosin's like, oh, what's up? And they, like, get close, and he kind of, like, talks to them. Hello, Scorpius. Mm -hmm. Hello, Dad. Dad. (laughs) Yep. I also, nice bit of information that the Diagnosin was the one who made the coolant rod situation. Oh, right, right. Yeah. The Diagnosin is the reason that Scorpius can exist in two, with two races in him. Yeah. Yeah, so he says, oh, that's really cool. Thank you for all the help. I don't need you anymore. And then does open, the thing. Open. <sighs> yeah, he does it like so slow. It's not even like forceful. He's just like click, click, uh-huh. and then just, or breathe on, and then dead. Diagnosing is dead. Yeah. Crown Scorpius is an amazing villain because he just does exactly what he needs to do. He never takes undue pleasure 
in committing violent acts. The only time that I've seen him go overboard is at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And that's like, to, that's the biggest thing that is exciting me about the next season. Mm-hmm. Is like Scorpius finally went overboard and did a thing that's like a huge action and made a significant change instead of just yeah, like... it's like unnecessarily cruel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people know what we're referring to. Scorpius sees John on the operating table with no speech and says, you're not getting that back. I'll take the neural chip out of your head. But John Crichton, would you know, do you have the actual line in front of you? I condemn you, John Crichton, to live so that your thirst for unfulfilled revenge will consume you. Goodbye. And then just leaves. And, he's gone. and just leaves John Crichton brain exposed, speechless, literally without the capability of speech. And the episode ends with John screaming upside down into the heavens. Ah, Brenda! Yeah, Brenda. It's actually, it's a weird, everybody loves Raymond Crossover. That's the only word he can say. Yeah. Deborah. What a sad story. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah. Next season. Ugh. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck me, man. Uh, I don't know, man. I was going to say I couldn't imagine watching this at the time and having to wait, but we have. Right, we did it. <laughs> Can you check real quickly when the next episode premiered compared to this one? Because this was January of 01. So, yeah. like, what's the actual break? Because I want to know if we're close to hitting it or if we, or if we did January hit it. January 01. The next episode, which is called Season of Death. Amazing episode. Yeah. Name. name. Great name. It's looking like this one. So, January is the US year. Yeah. yeah. Oh, March. Two months. Yeah, that's pretty quick. <laughs> we waited longer. <laughs> that's actually really quick. Yeah, that's good. Poor united kingdom the air date of uh the season two finale was december 19th and then the season three premiere was august 27th Ooh, okay so, so they, they got they, they got what we got a while we have the uk wait, there must basically. be some gap like big gap mid-season gap in here in season three there has to be because that's too fast of a turnaround yeah mm-hmm. two months that's not much time yeah TA are differently at the time especially like sci-fi does their stuff differently yeah because they just kept filming although i hear season three is a big jump like visually and hmm. like writing wise, everything is better. Huh. Um, huh. So we're going to get to that next That's week. That's something. Or not next week. Next week we're doing the recap. The but recap. For now, to recap. But for now. Um, well, actually, let's talk about Joffy real quick. Yeah. Uh, so he and Chiana are like boning down and it's like, no, 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 no. no, no. Well, he holds hands with her at the fucking funeral. Yeah. Which is inappropriate. Don't do that. So you don't have a bond. Yeah. You don't, you didn't earn that. You don't like (laughs) Dargo is like three, like a couple feet away and you're like, Hey buddy, (laughs) like holds Chiana's hand. And then later they like almost kiss and then Dargo walks in and Chiana's like, I shouldn't have even thought of doing that. Now he's just like inviting Chiana to do his like dirty deed with oh, him. Oh, they they're not making out yet. No, they don't actually. They did some making out. I remember the scene where they were about to, and then Dargo walks okay, in. Okay, well they're definitely going to. Oh yeah, Ugh. and it's gonna be awkward and bad. Yuck. And then we see like little DRD recordings of Dargo practicing his proposal. Yep. Yeah. Oh. And it like looks like he's actually doing it, but it's just the yeah. Because I think the conflict there between the three of them is that Joffy doesn't want to like settle down. And neither does Chiana. So she's like, I see this appeal in him. And Dargo wants to live on a farm forever. Yeah. And that, so when Jothi tells her that, she's like, oh, I had no idea Dargo wanted to be boring. I don't know if I'm still into this. Yeah. Which, it makes sense. But like, oh, my God, what a painful thing to watch. Like your son is like stealing your, your partner away from you. Yeah. In front of your, not in front of your eyes, behind yeah, your back. That's, that story's going to break my heart. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing I'm excited to see. But yeah. I don't know. It's it's just that stuff felt really awkward for me because this came in an episode full of heartbreak and sadness. And then also, this is just going to blow up on our faces next week. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it felt it's painful. You know, it's not painful. 
is uh, you reading me the background information. Oh, baby, baby. David Kemper knew the final image of the season of, at mid-year and worked backward to reach it. Makes sense. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It also explains why we got back into the plot at the middle of the season. Like right. why Scorpius came back and why everything so started to, get to make to that. sense again. Yeah. The makeup and performance of Scorpius, John, were so good that producers couldn't tell the difference. Because of this, the makeup was made less accurate to keep the difference clear. Yeah, that was the thing I was telling you about. I That's so funny to me that they probably saw a cut of like some footage or on set and they were like, uh, uh, yeah, viewers aren't going to get it. There's This is like too good. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> now it's just uncanny. Like that's an annoying note, I bet. For them to get right fiona gentle's vocal performance for tokut who is tokut is that that's not the diagnosing is it what no maybe maybe what you said what you said to me Ooh, what you say oh da, da, we're joined by special da, guest imogen da, heap hello imogen how are you doing da, 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 da. what you say yeah tokut's the diagnosis oh okay sorry we've been calling it the diagnosis this whole time it's tokut good they don't say T- the name t-o-c-o-t T-O-C-O-T? Oh, yeah, yeah probably Tokat. Impressed, uh, her performance impressed the producers. Apparently Fiona Gentle is somebody who's, she's another person who's been a lot of aliens. Oh, so I, I see. Shows I see. Run. Uh, so they asked her to repeat it for the final version of the episode. Oh, maybe she's a puppeteer. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, like she did the puppet voice and they were going to do it in, dub it in later with a better voice and they were like, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiona Gentle's a puppeteer. Um, oh, And I she see. provided the voice of, of the diagnosis. I gotcha. But she is a puppeteer for seasons two through four. Oh, I see. I see. That's, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. So her voice impressed the producers. So they asked her to repeat it for the final version. Uh, the brief for the voice was originally a high pitched harmonic warble interposed with Kalahari Bushman dialect. Whoa. That's appropriate. Cause it's an Australian thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that blew me away. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The shot, it must be fun to be a puppeteer and do like a stupid voice for something that you know they're going to put somebody yeah. better to replace you. Um, uh, the like big spider thing from that episode where, Do- where Rigel yeah. got kidnapped. <laughs> and they're like, good, good work, good work. <laughs> Thank you. The shot of Aaron ejecting out of the Prowler was done overnight by one of the CG artists who knew that it was needed for the episode. Mm-hmm. I gotta get this done. Rockney's gonna love me. <laughs> Finally. That's mean of me. He was great. He did a great job. Anthony Simcoe did his ADR work in Paris as he was on vacation mm-hmm. there after the episode finished shooting. <laughs> Mrs. Simcoe, please put down the baguette. I need to talk about space real quick. <laughs> oh, it must be. Oh, this is a weird thing to think about. But they probably do their they do their ADR lines out of makeup. Right. Totally. So that's just like Anthony Simcoe. Like he's just a big tall, tall and blonde. Yep. And he walks off the parisian cobblestone streets into this recording studio and goes crying <laughs> all right do we get it all right oh, all right i'm back to my life <laughs> back to france i go rockney s o'bannon tried to push the envelope as far as possible and recalled quote once again it's a question of how much you can ladle on how many threads can you leave untied and really make it a feast of mysteries the producers knew that there would be a third season. They knew it, and set up the cliffhanger to be resolved early in that season. Rockney said, quote, Man, we pretty much knew, in terms of rating and appeal, uh, that there would be a third season. We came from nobody knowing we existed to the fan base starting to gel at the end of season two. Blah, 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 blah. 
apparently Farscape was expensive, but yeah, it was still going on. Cool. Rowan Woods was nervous with his directing duties. Spent a lot of time preparing, saying, I didn't know we could do it until we got the script. I was a bit nervous about doing the boss's script for the first time, David Kemper. And with the Kemper script, you really have to be careful not to invent too much extraneous stuff. Manjo's a great writer, but he has a different style, and I tend to be more at one with Manjo. He bends, and I bend. You have to be careful with a really good Kemper script, because if you go off the track, you go off at your own peril. The one thing I decided to do with that script was, in the four weeks beforehand, I just asked the guy stupid questions. And as Kemper does, he gave me hour-long answers. <laughs> That's awesome. Kemper seems like he's waiting to the minutia of this show. Yeah, I'd love to meet David Kemper. Yeah, for sure. The gibberish uttered by John after the surgery was not random utterances, but scripted. Oh, interesting. I guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sums up. That's a commitment, I guess. Uh, to the bit. Yeah. Commitment to the bit. That's what we do. We commit to the bit. And speaking of committing to a bit, we are committing to watching the show more, but I don't have to do the episode teasers that I thought I would do because the recap is next week. So let me close Netflix. <laughs> I didn't breathe for all of that. I'm like, where's he going? Um, since we're not doing that, I'll say it's time for a little bit of housekeeping. This has been Scape Chats. I'm the master of the house. And the... I don't know how it goes. Lame is. is that a... Oh, okay. Lame is. Check it out. <laughs> Lame is .com. Uh, I've been Alan, this has been Magellan, and you can find us on the internet. I'm at twitter.com slash Alan Ibrahim. I'm at twitter.com slash just a fluke, but let me hear how his is spelled. I only spell it because my last name is weird and people don't always yeah. know how to spell it. It's I-B-R-A-H-I-M, first name A-L-L-E-N. Put that together, you got a username. Kid, <laughs> <laughs> sit down, sit down. All right, I got something special for you. <laughs> you got a last name, you got a first name, put those together in opposite order, and you got what's Boom, one called. you got a username. That's the name. Wolf of Wall Street. Now on DVD. And Magellan, just give him a spelling of yours real quick. J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. Good. You can slow that down on your own. Good luck. <laughs> uh, you can follow at Scape Chats on Twitter. You can send us email, scapechats at gmail.com. We love receiving those emails. We love that. We put an episode thread on the on the Farscape subreddit every week at reddit.com slash r slash Farscape. Wow. <laughs> cool. And is there anything else that you want to pl- plug real quick? Oh, on my end, you can go ahead and check me out in the podcast realm on Stanford Improv Radio Hour. Yeah. At, yes. We've not been <laughs> putting episodes out for a while, but we've been backing them up and they're going to come out for a bit. And then I won't be on it anymore because I'm graduating with that place. You can also check out my webcomic that's not updating currently, but will update eventually again at uh, theplatonicsolidscomic.tumblr.com. It's very funny and you should read it. And, you should, and both of those things are very funny and you should listen to them. I would say even when John's not on Stanford Improv Radio Hour, you should listen to it because it's very funny. That's Yay. not just because I'm friends with the Thanks. host. I am at Twitter, where you can find a lot of my stuff. Um, I have a piece going up on our uh, blog that I'll link to on my Twitter at some point. It's about college. Um, I want people to read it because I think it's worthwhile. And I'm on another podcast called Fireside Friends, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. It is uh, once every two weeks, and it's me and my two friends, and we talk about pop culture and each other's lives, and we just become friends, and we sit in front of a, a technology fire, and we talk about anime. I think that is it, though. That's it. This has been Skate Chats for one last time. Somewhere Somewhere in the the universe. universe. Keep that that high five in there. And this. And this. (laughs) 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 You cartoon man.